When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, okay. Y'all can stop beating me the hell up right now. I finally brought someone on to talk with me about all things Marvel, okay, in 2023. Y'all haven't really, like, I've done a little, you know, a little yang, yang, yang around the house for Marvel, you know, this year, but this is my first, like, big dive into Marvel in 2023 because we haven't really had any content, but now we've got Wakanda Forever on Disney+. Plus. We've got Ant-Man and the Wasp coming out within a matter of hours, so I want you guys to get into this episode. It is fantastic. I've got Liam Crowley with me here today. And he works for comicbook.com. I've been a fan of his for a while now. He's filled in on one of my favorite podcasts ever so often. And he's great. He's got amazing opinions. He's unwavering. And listen, we love that right, okay? So get into this episode. We start off by, you know, getting to know him a little bit more because this is his first time on the podcast. So I want y'all to really know about him, his background, his history, all of that. But then we jump into it all. We talk about Wakanda Forever. We talk about Phase 4, what we expect from Phase 5. Kang the Conqueror, and we talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp, okay? It's coming out, so we got to get ready for it, you guys. First things first, drop down to the bottom of your page or the top if you're on Spotify and leave me a five-star rating and review, okay? You know we love those. It's your new episode of Reality in Comics 2. Let's do it. That's right, you're listening to Reality and Comics 2, the podcast that discusses all things scripted and unscripted TV and film. I'm Kendrick, but most of you know me as your mama's favorite black geek. You want some hot takes about the Real Housewives or Love Island, or maybe you want some hilarious insight on the Marvel Cinematic Universe or HBO's White Lotus or Euphoria. Well, you're in the right place. Grab a cocktail, sit back, and prepare to cuss and fuss right along with me. What's up, everybody? We're back with yet another episode, and I haven't gotten to talk much about Marvel this year because we haven't had any content, unfortunately, but that's about to change. We're about to get our first movie of the year. Uh, Wakanda Forever just came out, of course, on February 1st, Black History Month. Duh, we expect that, but just came out on Disney+. Plus. And y'all have been wanting some Marvel chat, so here we go. I've got a new friend here with me today. I've seen him uh, a million times now on the comicbook.com. Uh, they have a, a YouTube channel, a Twitch, a podcast, everything, Phase Zero. And I've seen this guy, uh, feel, you know, people don't think you and they think you and Jamie are the same person now because you're <laughs> never in the same place at the same time. But 
Uh, I love it when you fill in over there. You always got great takes, great opinions, everything. Y'all, I've got Liam Crowley here with me today from comicbook.com. How are you doing? Kendrick, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for that warm introduction. I, I do very much appreciate it. And uh, yeah, man, life is good. Phase, uh, phase five about to kick off in just about a week, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. And what's crazy is like we talk so much about being like, you know, drowned in content with Marvel. But like I've felt these past like two and a half, three months or whatever so much. I'm like, damn, there's nothing to like. I've been having to watch other stuff, which I love. I mean, you know, I, there's no shortage of TV, but like, damn, like where's the Marvel? You know, I'm I'm waiting for my stuff. So I'm glad we got something to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling it too, man. It, it, it was a, it's always a weird like start to the year. We were spoiled, I think, with WandaVision because that just like, yeah. we kicked off. We went right into Falcon Winter Soldier. Shortly after mm-hmm. that was Loki. Like, I think they had like a four week gap. But last year they did the same thing. Moon Knight didn't come out till the end of March um yeah I like, I like that they make us wait a little bit it helps remind us that this whole thing is special exactly because you know there's so much like chatter online people like oh i'm comic book fatigue but then the movie still like makes a billion dollars and stuff like that <laughs> so it's weird but for those that aren't familiar with you yet kind of tell them you know how you but you know work i'm assuming you were a comic book kid but i don't know if you got into it later in life or but uh kind of tell them about your background how did you get into comics i know you're a big wrestling fan like how did all of that play into you now at comicbook.com yeah man so i i guess i kind of have the reverse order when it comes to marvel to the marvel cinematic universe the mcu mm-hmm. was kind of my real introduction to these comic book characters Uh, And when I say the MCU is my introduction, I'm a day one. I saw Iron Man 2008 in theaters. Uh, Same thing with the first Captain America movie, first Thor movie. Uh, I joined when the thing started. And that just kind of opened me up to like wanting to learn more about these characters. I was also very young when those movies came out. So Mm -hmm. to say that it was like backwards is like, okay, I was seven years old when I saw the first Iron Man movie and I, I read my first comic book when I was like eight years old like it was still <laughs> all from a very young age um but yeah the MCU just doing this type of storytelling and film something that I had never seen before which was this like interconnected universe which is all the rage nowadays so many different franchises are trying it but then I just kind of want to work backwards and think about like okay, well, they're obviously pulling inspiration from Marvel Comics. Are all Marvel Comics interconnected like this? And mm-hmm. it's an obvious question nowadays, us all being adults. But when I was a kid, it blew my mind. And so yeah. it was really cool to to kind of go back and kind of uh, read some of the source material. I'm a big Captain America fan. I've read a lot of different Cap trades. Uh, everyone from, you know, Isaiah Bradley to Steve Rogers to Sam Wilson to a bunch of other people who have taken up the mantle. Um, and yeah, my, my fandoms have always just been kind of the lifeblood of just my entire existence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned before we started recording, I'm a big Percy Jackson fan. Those were the first like books, books I read. Um, and nice. they're also interconnected in a way that feels like a franchise. And then when professional wrestling came into my life in middle school, it was really cool to see, oh, guys come from WWE and they go over to Impact Wrestling and then they go to New mm-hmm. Japan and it's all like everything is going together. So all these just kind of entertainment passions led me to pursuing uh, a career in in the media in college which a lot of people end up using their degree for sports or for hard news or for politics mm-hmm. and i was just like i got no drive to cover anything besides entertainment and so when senior year came around which was only last year um and i was looking to explore options to do 
to do this full time. I was freelancing for a couple places. Uh, shout out to the directs.com. Uh, y'all probably know them as mm. MC Direct on Twitter. They were fantastic. Yep. They they gave me my start. Uh, same thing with Wrestling Inc. They gave me my start uh, when it came to covering pro wrestling. I was able to kind of merge these fandoms under one roof with comicbook.com. And uh, I've been with CB for coming up on about a year now, a year in June. So still a ways away from that time, but still <laughs> uh, time moves very quickly. And uh, yeah, man, it, it's just been a really fun ride. It's cool to be having a career that just kind of feels like a continuation of of my childhood, essentially. Nice, man, you're living a dream, but you just kind of, I'm not going to lie. You kind of just like punched me in the gut a little bit because you said you were seven years old when you saw Iron Man in theaters. And I think I was, a freshman in college so that that that, that gutted me a little bit but it's okay I'm I'm still alive it's all right I'll take it how I can but my journey actually was uh kind of like yours because I was obsessed with the uh the X-Men cartoons when I was a kid Mm. so that kind of kicked things off for me but it wasn't until like I didn't really get like heavy into comics until I met my best friend in college and then that's when, like, you know, that's when the movie started coming out and all that kind of stuff. So he started giving me comic after comic every single week. And so I started reading those and then it was over from there. So I like that you kind of have the, the reverse journey, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you as a kid, were you more of a, you know, it, uh, Iron Man kind of kicked it off for you. But were you more of a Marvel guy? Did you get into D.C.? Did you like indie comics? Like, how did it go for you? So in terms of comics, I've always flocked more to Marvel just because for whatever reason, it just felt more interconnected to me. I know DC Mm -hmm. is interconnected, but it was easier to kind of navigate uh, a trade to a graphic novel, to an omnibus and stuff like that. Um, Mm -hmm. So like I said, I was a big cap reader, uh, X-Men as well. It's Mm -hmm. a recent one that I read is House of X. Um, But I also loved like, you know, Days of Future Past, Age of Apocalypse, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But DC, I mean... I think actually I was technically my first introduction to comic book content in general uh, was that Justice League Unlimited cartoon. Yeah. I loved that show, man. And that yeah. was like a Saturday morning staple for me. I wasn't like obsessed with it to the point where, you know, nowadays kids can just binge anything. I, I you know, I had to wait every single week for a new episode and all that. Right. <laughs> and when it came to reruns, you'd have to get it on DVD and stuff like that. So I didn't have like, an MCU level obsession with it, but that kind of introduced me to the the DC side of heroes. Mm-hmm. And when it came to reading DC comics, I've I've dabbled a little in some Justice League, but it really just is starts and ends with Batman, just because he's he's the best character and his stories are so contained, but also so detailed. Like mm-hmm. Long Halloween, Hush, Under the Red Hood. These are trades you can read from from front to back. And not feel like you need to read a bunch of tie-ins to fully understand them. But if you understand who Batman is psychologically, it becomes that much more fun. And so, yeah, Marvel and DC Comics uh, just always just kind of infused upon my life. Uh, But when it came to specific runs, it was Batman, X-Men, Captain America, um, and recently a little little Young Avengers. I'm trying to get more into them. Nice. I've actually randomly been doing the same. I've been uh, reading some Young Avengers and I've been going back and doing like the complete secret invasion event. So like all mm. the tie-ins and all the kind of stuff It's boy, it takes a lot, but it, it, it's a fun ride when you actually get into it, but it kind of yeah. makes me, it makes me a little nervous for the show. Like I'm, 
I'm anxious for whatever they give us because I love Sam Jackson. You know, uh, I think, you know, Olivia Coleman is fantastic. We got, uh, I was about to call her Daenerys. What's uh, <laughs> Amelia Clark? Clark. Yeah. yeah, we've got Amelia Clark. Like, I think that's going to be like a fantastic show. But I'm so nervous because we don't have like Jessica Drew and Iron Man's gone. Like, you know, some of the characters. So I'm interested to see like their twist on it. That's going to be good. See, my thing with Secret Invasion is I had the same hesitancies going into Captain America Civil War because we saw just the trailers, like this airport battle from from a trailer perspective. I know it was awesome in the theater, but like Mm -hmm. it just looked a little weird. I was like, are they just going to spar on the tarmac? And it's like Mm -hmm. a 66 fight compared to the Civil War comic, which was hundreds and hundreds of heroes like battle battle lines were drawn and it's like how are we going to do this without the punisher how are we going to do this without cyborg thor i want to say was in that something like that like there's so many different random elements and when they brought spider-man in and they weren't going to have the whole plot line with him revealing his identity it was like is this really going to be a true civil war and it felt like it so i think secret invasion definitely will be scaled back significantly from the scope of the comic run but Marvel has proven before they can adapt an iconic storyline, put their own little twist on it for live action, mm-hmm. and still deliver a compelling story. So I, I have full faith in Secret Invasion. I do. T- I'm I'm excited to see it. I think. Well, I won't say that. I, I'm excited to see it because I my whole kind of hesitancy was that I never like. I, I think they're going to probably lean more so into the. Uh, the kind of the mystery who's a scroll aspect of it instead of everything else. And if that's the case, I'm okay with that because, you know, we've gotten the scrolls. We haven't gotten a lot of the other stuff kind of built into it. So if it just ends up being like one big murder mystery, then I'm cool with that too. Uh, I saw you on the red carpet for uh, Knock at the Cabin. And I know you got to meet Dave Batista. So I know that was a, a cool experience for you. Oh, yeah. You're not only, you, you know, a wrestling super fan, but you're a Marvel super fan too. So when you got to meet him, were you more starstruck as a Marvel fan or do you think as a, a wrestling fan? Definitely as a wrestling fan. He, yeah. he's, a, he's a superhero in the Marvel universe, but he was a superhero on a weekly. I'm getting chills just thinking about it. He was a superhero on a weekly <laughs> basis uh, for me growing up watching professional wrestling. And I didn't watch a lot when he was there full time, like his first run. Mm-hmm. Um, before he left in 2010 uh, but I was there for his entire 2014 run which people are a little mixed on it because it was kind of rushed and the whole Daniel Bryan storyline just kind of superseded everything uh, mm-hmm. but he was still freaking Dave Batista, the animal the, the world heavyweight champion and all that um, and so yeah getting to meet Dave was really really cool he's I, I can like confidently say out of all the celebrities I've met so far he's far and away the nicest and the most genuine um, and I was I was starstruck a little bit but like not to the point that I, I don't really like stumble on my words when I meet these kind of people. I just yeah. get like ridiculously o- overly complimentary. And, uh, <laughs> but he was, he was appreciative of it. And we talked a little wrestling on the red carpet. Uh, we had an extended conversation at the after party, which was really special to me because he, he gave me like five minutes of his time. And uh, you know, he, he was someone who was celebrating this movie M. Night Shyamalan was like a couple feet from us. They they probably wanted to to share some laughs and some stories. But uh, when I was talking to him, he just, you know, he, he never rushed me out of the conversation. At a certain point, I was like, I was like, OK, I'm not going to overstay my welcome and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was just such a very nice, genuine guy. And uh, I always got that vibe from him before getting to meet him personally. Just he just seemed like someone who 
you know, didn't take anything for granted, knows, you know, it was a hard road to get to where he is today. Um, you know, professional wrestling wise, he was like almost dirt broke before he broke into the WWE. Mm-hmm. Uh, Triple H put him over 20 years ago and he's still very thankful for that. And he, he mentioned that in our, our brief interview about how, how he owes his entire career to Triple H. And he was willing to blacklist himself from Hollywood if James Gunn didn't get rehired for Guardians 3, which would have been right. a breach, breach of a Marvel contract. Like, there's a good chance he would have never worked again mm-hmm. if the James Gunn situation wasn't resolved. And he was willing to fall on that sword. And that just kind of tells you everything you need to know about who he is as a human being. And when I got to have a heart-to-heart conversation for him, every single positive thing I already thought about him was just proven to me. And uh, yeah, I I love Dave. He's a great guy and uh, very much rooting for him and his future Hollywood career. Nice, man. You're absolutely living a dream. I'm, so this is, I hadn't planned on asking this, but you're, you're, uh, you talking about that kind of made me wonder, who's your favorite wrestler turned actor? Because you've got a couple of options. Right? You've got Dave Bautista, John Cena, The Rock, uh, well, we got Randy Orton, but I don't know if you <laughs> consider that, you know, but you know, who's, who do you think is your, who's your favorite? And then who do you think is the best? Okay. Favorite and best. I, that is two different answers then. Um, mm-hmm. best, best, I will say, and I, it sounds like I'm being biased as I just, you know, gushed over him, but Dave Batista <laughs> is the best actor to a wrestler turned actor. Like his body of work, dune blade runner 2049 guardians of the galaxy knock at the cabin uh you know he even did comedy with that like i think it was called stuber that uh Uber yeah, movie yeah. He did. like mm-hmm. his range is is phenomenal and like you know all due respect to the rock he's a box office megastar he his name is on a movie it makes money he kind of tends to just play the rock in every movie he's in which is you know it's a role that works for him but like <laughs> you know we've seen the meme of him in like the the safari shirt four different times and it's four different movies and all that mm-hmm. um and john cena too he's finding his footing he's getting a lot better he started off pretty rigid i'd say as an actor um mm-hmm. but he's starting to really get to flex his chops uh, we saw that a lot in peacemaker and he's yeah. got other projects lined up uh, i really i thought he performed pretty well in the fast and furious movies which you know those are popcorn blockbusters you're not looking for any type of oscar worthy performances but right still, you know, he's, he's entering a franchise that's you know two decades old and he still felt like he belonged there which i thought was impressive um so best i'd, I'd have to say batista favorite i might just have to still say the rock though because even though i think the rock is kind of one note these days he fires me up, man. Like Black Adam, I don't think the movie was anything memorable from a quality standpoint. But when I was sitting in that theater, I was like, oh, man, I want to go to the gym right now. Like I'm fired up. Like, well, let's go. And that's the it's, rock magic for you. Is his song in your playlist when you're working out? Oh, uh, uh, the Tech Nine song. It's about drive. Yeah. It's about power. Yeah, it is. I forget. Uh, Face Off. That's the name of the song. It's there. You go. It's all right. It's not bad. There you go. Uh, for such a like for such a young age you've really like had a fantastic career so far. So like what's one particular moment that really like, you know, it'll stick with you for the rest, whether you transition careers or, you know, you go to another cup, whatever the case is for you, whatever, like the future holds, what's one moment that's going to stick with you forever. Well, first off, thank you for that. That like genuinely just made my day. So thank you for (laughs) saying that. Absolutely. Um, uh, One moment that's really stuck with me. You know, okay, I've said I've told this story a couple of times, but uh, I'll go back to it because, you know, it's been like six months since it happened and it still Mm -hmm. is very much stuck with me. So it's not exactly a lifelong memory. But anyways, um, (laughs) I was interviewing this wrestler. You familiar with Matt Cardona, Zack Ryder? Yes, this is. 
Yeah, so Zack Ryder, obviously, he left WWE in 2020. Um, he's taken over the independent scene. He's not on like a massive platform, but he's really raised his personal star power to the point where uh, last year he was ranked number 13 on the PWI 500, which is like the 500 most influential wrestlers in the world. And he was 13 after being previously as high ranked as like 270. So it's crazy what he's done for himself. Mm. And so I, I had an interview with him and I asked him about, you know, staying positive staying motivated um and everything because he spent like 15 years in wwe and he always just like was lower mid card occasionally maybe got tossed a bone like once every two or three years uh like one pay-per-view match or anything and it's like i just i was so amazed by the fact that this dude is like in his mid to late 30s and he's having the run of his career and i would have just thought like most human beings would have got complacent at some point during that time when they were being treated badly and they would have just given up. Right. And mm-hmm. I was just like, what, what kept you going? Like what kept you motivated? Like how did you shine in a, in a place that seemed uh, intent on like, you know, kind of darkening your star. And he was like, well, in this industry and in any, and in any industry, <laughs> there's a lot of things that you can't control. Uh, I couldn't control my booking. I couldn't control the championships I was winning. Uh, Mm -hmm. I couldn't control, uh, you know, my marketing and stuff like that or how the company marketed me, I should say. Uh, Mm -hmm. But there he was like, there are a select few things that I could control. Um, I could control my physique. No one's going to tell me not to work out. Uh, I could control my social media image. No one's going to tell me not to interact with my fans and and develop a personal connection with my audience. Uh, No one's going to tell me not to have a positive attitude. I can show up to work every day smiling and make conversation and no one's going to say, Hey, stop that. Like have a grimace on your face. Mm-hmm. And he said those little things applying that every single day, slowly, but surely, like, you know, I, I think he said like four or five months after he really embraced that mindset, he, uh, he won the intercontinental title in the opening match of WrestleMania 32 uh, in a ladder match. And it was like, he was like, do I know that there's a direct correlation between those two? Not necessarily, But I think that having this positive mindset and really maximizing the variables I could control Mm -hmm. allowed me to have a greater opportunity. And you said that very complimentary thing. And I I do appreciate it how, you know, I've had I've been fortunate to have some really great things happen to me at such a young age. Um, But there are a lot of like grueling days behind the scenes that social media sure. doesn't see to where you, you get close to being like, you know, is it all worth it? Are, are we going to, you know, get to the heights we want to reach and using uh, Cardona's mentality of like maximizing the variables that I can control has had a correlation to some really great things happen for me. And that, that just mentality has stuck with me uh, for a long time now. It's only, only like half a year, but still I, I've applied that, knowledge to like every day since um and you know i i was in a a fairly dark place over the summer in terms of just being like down on my luck thinking like you know i I, did i make the right career choices and all that like is everything gonna work out Mm -hmm. and that feels like years ago and it was it was you know a couple months ago um so that you know that's my long-winded story of saying you know just when you maximize the variables you can't control really great things happen uh and if, if my recent experiences can be proof and can inspire other people to have that same mentality, uh, then I'm doing something right. Man, that is a word right there for my audience. I, I've told, like, I probably said, I don't even think I've said this actually uh, on this podcast before, but I literally, you know, I had been doing this. I started during COVID. 
I just wanted to kind of, you know, I, I said if I didn't do it, then I was never going to do it. So I wanted to kind of just take the leap. And then it took, what, two and a half years. And I finally wound up with a partnership with, you know, iHeart and uh, Cloud 10. So I, there were definitely days I was like, I'm so sick of recording. I never want to talk about any of these shows again. I never want to see another Marvel. That normally changes quick, though. But I'm like, I never want to <laughs> see another Marvel movie or another Marvel show. I'm tired of all of this. And then you really do have to just change your mentality and just keep going because i know so many people i've i feel like i've lost so many like friends in this podcasting not like you know falling out or anything but like so many people have like come and gone because they're like man it's just not for me and stuff like that and if you just stick with it i promise the shit gets better it really does it just you just gotta stick with it now if it you know everything isn't for everyone but if it's your passion stick to it don't quit your day job but stick with it uh let's go over to marvel we uh we recently got Black Panther Wakanda Forever, uh, and it's kind of our most recent movie. You know, it ended Phase Four, and uh, then we'll get Ant Man and Wasp: Quantumania. Well, when this comes out, it'll be within a couple of days, probably mere hours. But uh, let's kind of talk about Phase Four as a whole first. Uh, phase Four has been what I feel has been like overly criticized online. Just like I I understand like some of the criticism, but I feel like now that Marvel has become like the juggernaut it is, it's almost like popular to kind of hate everything they do. So I, I feel that with a lot of stuff. So talk to me about some of the positives and some of the negatives that you felt. Because I'm sure, you know, everything wasn't all, you know, guns and roses. So tell me some of the positives and some of the negatives you had with uh, Marvel's Phase 4. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I'll say I think Phase 4, I, I it's hard to put like a full label on it. And I'll say mm-hmm. it it was like the safest experimental phase that they've ever done. And I say safest mm-hmm. because after the infinity saga, they've earned the right to take big risky swings with mm-hmm. a Shang-Chi with an Eternals and stuff like that. And not really worry about like losing their investment. If I, if the first Iron Man didn't make money, the MCU does not exist today. Right. Same thing with the, the first Avengers movie. If that thing wasn't successful enough to get Disney on board to kind of finance the whole universe, mm-hmm. the MCU ends after one Avengers movie. Nowadays, if there's a box office flop, oh well, what you know, we we move on to the next one. It's such yep. a juggernaut of a machine that mm-hmm. if if and when Eternals doesn't make as much money as they were anticipating, well, guess what? Spider-Man No Way Home comes out in a month, and that thing is like a top five grossing movie of all time. Of yep. course, it's split with Sony, but you know, still it's successful <laughs> under the, that whole franchise. So mm-hmm. I think phase four was right to take a lot of experimental swings. Uh, I really, really appreciate what they were able to do with the Disney Plus shows. Not all of them hit for me. It was kind of a tale of two halves. I think Mm -hmm. WandaVision, Falcon, Winter Soldier, and Loki is probably the strongest one, two, three release punch Marvel's Mm -hmm. had maybe ever, in my personal opinion. Okay. Um, Same thing with Hawkeye. I really liked Hawkeye. The entire Mm -hmm. 2021 TV slate, I thought was very strong. Where we got a little wishy-washy was 2022, in my opinion. Uh, Moon Knight was good at points, but I thought, I think that's the curse of being a comic reader, of kind of knowing the twists and turns. If I went into Moon Knight having no idea what it was about, I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more. Miss Marvel was kind of like, every week was kind of unpredictable, depending on the quality of it. And She-Hulk, straight up, just wasn't for me. I I didn't like the show. I also recognize that I'm not the key demographic. And it worked for a lot of people who Mm -hmm. it was made for. So in that sense, I I applaud Marvel for taking that swing and making a product uh, that really resonated with with, 
you know, a portion of their audience and stuff like that. Um, on the theatrical side, I liked a, a decent amount of the, re- of the releases. I thought they took some more experimental swings again in the sense of uh, <laughs> the Sam Raimi's style of directing of Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. That thing would never have gotten greenlit in phase two. They wouldn't have let him do yeah. Sam Raimi's style back when they were still trying to kind of fine tune the cinematic universe. Uh, Thor Love and Thunder... <laughs> I thought it was goofy nonsense. It wasn't for yeah. me. Uh, Taika Waititi <laughs> made, you know, a theatrically, uh, financially successful film in Thor Ragnarok with some chains on him. And they just kind of let the chains off for this one. And I, yeah. I wish they restricted him a little bit more because that movie, you know, you, you delete it from phase four. What really changes? You know, Thor, yeah. in terms of the greater universe, it didn't really progress any any story forward. So yeah, phase four as a whole, uh, to kind of wrap up my thought on it is it's, it, I don't, I, don't, I can't call it strong because that would like imply that it was maybe better than any of the three previous phases, which I don't mm-hmm. think is true. But it's hard to judge in a vacuum because it's one third of the multiverse saga. We don't know yeah. fully where this, this saga is going. And I think revisionist history will be very kind to phase four once we have seen Kang dynasty and secret wars for now mm-hmm. it's my least favorite of the phases but i appreciate uh what it was striving to do i absolutely agree with i think that in the future people are going to look back and love a lot of stuff that came out of these phases i think you pretty much hit the nail on the head with a lot of stuff that i think i actually i'm probably one of the few men that really enjoyed she hulk i kind of like uh a show that I don't have to, you know, sometimes when you depend on what's on, it might be a lot of deep stuff back to back. It was just kind of like a fun half hour show that, you know, I didn't have to think about too much. I was really familiar with the comics. So I thought, you know, uh, Tatiana Maslany was fantastic in a role. I thought CGI could have been a little better, but I also think that we've been looking at the Hulk so long that it kind of looks weird when it's just a smooth face. I think she did need a little stubble. So I don't know. It's <laughs> hard to say, but uh, yeah, but I think I agree with most. I think my favorite things probably in phase four were WandaVision, obviously. I think that's probably one of my top MCU projects. Uh, absolutely loved Shang-Chi, Spider-Man No Way Home. I think probably when I think back on it, my top three are probably WandaVision, Werewolf by Night, and Wakanda Forever. And I know that last one might be tricky for some people because I know some people didn't like the grief of it all, the sadness of it all, stuff like that. I thought for with what they had, I thought it was an absolutely fantastic, you know, I think they did a great job with everything that they had. So let's kind of jump into that because we've never seen, especially in the MCU, we've never seen a director kind of, you know, lose their main talent and have to go on because, you know, they had to make the sequel. It was green lit. They had a story to tell everything. So Give me your overall thoughts about Wakanda Forever. Did it work for you? Did it not work for you? What could have been better? You know, give me all your thoughts. Yeah, so I'll say about Wakanda Forever. I think in in a similar way to Spider-Man No Way Home, I think they made the best movie possible mm-hmm. with the ramifications they put around it. I, I, say, I say that making the Spider-Man No Way Home comparison because they wanted to make a multiverse movie where all three Spider-Man show up on screen Mm-hmm. narratively there's going to be some loopholes to get through you know we're, we're going to have to make some some connections yep. that you're just going to have to say like listen i know that all the villains are coming into this movie because they know the secret identity and jamie fox never knew that andrew garfield was <laughs> spider-man but just bear with us 
we have to just kind of make that assumption because we're trying to tell this ambitious story Mm -hmm. Uh, in in a much more serious light. The same thing with Wakanda forever. You know, they, they wanted to continue this franchise without recasting the role of T'Challa. It it hurts to know that a character that rich uh, won't see the screen again, Uh, at least, you know, from earth, 616 i'm I'm sure we might get a a multiverse uh chadwick uh multiverse t'challa excuse me down the line Mm -hmm. or as this movie shows t'challa jr will eventually just kind of grow up and and take on the throne Mm -hmm. so it does kind of pain me that that we were you know forced to go in that direction but all things considered uh i think they did make the the right choice narratively because anyone who would have been recast in that role immediately faces the most unfair ceiling to reach in terms of like how are you going to surpass chadwick a a guy who embodied this role on a level that i wouldn't say is exactly at at a robert downey jr or a heath ledger but just about a 1b to that 1a like Mm -hmm. very much in that conversation um everything else though you know when we talk about making the movie with the restrictions they put on it Namor was him, dude. I loved everything oh, about Talacan. Yeah. Uh, I loved. Uh, I'm a Boston boy, so getting to see my backyard, yeah, finally <laughs> realized in the MCU. I cried, man. I was like that. That to me, I said it in my like reaction video. That was like the first time I fully like had a firsthand understanding of like why representation and film matters. Because you know, mm-hmm. as a as a straight white guy, I see myself in movies and tv all the time it's never really like hit for me uh but when i saw my my home city the place i grew up in in the mcu for the first time in in the mcu's 14 year history and it like struck a chord with me personally to the point where i was like getting emotional and i was like i don't i don't care if we never come back i just want to relish in this moment for for Mm -hmm. a little bit i was like that's really special to me i'm never going to forget that feeling uh and anytime people talk about what a character like Shang-Chi or Black Panther or Captain Marvel means to them. Mm-hmm. I can't personally relate, but I can put myself in my experience of seeing my city in Black Panther and be like, man, if, if we're feeling a, a, an emotion similar here, I get what you're saying. So that was really special. And uh, yeah, I, I think grounding the MCU again was was so welcomed because I the, the reason why I didn't really care for She-Hulk is the zaniness of breaking the fourth wall and having yeah. Kevin, Kevin be this thing like the MCU I loved it being the world outside my window where there's mm. real cities like New York and LA and San Francisco and stuff like that it feels like superheroes existing in our world you know we have a superhero registration act with civil war and all that yeah when we go to a Thor love and thunder to a Doctor Strange multiverse of madness I, I can't immerse myself in those movies because they are so wacky and crazy when mm. Black Panther Wakanda forever is going to the United Nations and talking about how they're going to sanction vibranium and stuff like mm-hmm. that. That is awesome. Cause that's what would happen in our real world. So getting to get back to that style of the MCU was very, very appreciated. Uh, and I thought it concluded phase four on a very, very high note from a quality standpoint. That kind of makes me wonder how you're going to feel about Ant- Cause I'm sure you've seen some of the first <laughs> reactions to uh-huh. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, but I'm wondering if you're going to kind of, have a similar feeling about this one because I've been hearing that it's one of the wackiest, zaniest kind of moves that they've done. It's big swing after big swing after big swing. And, you know, I, are, are you kind of going in with a, not a chip on your shoulder, but are you kind of going in with like, okay, I'm going to 
you know, I'll I'll take it how it comes, but I know this isn't for me. I know for a fact this isn't for me. But how are you? How are you kind of gonna approach this movie, knowing that Brandon, it's not what you want? <laughs> Brandon Brandon told me that it's the weirdest Marvel movie yet. And I was like, okay, uh, all right. And I was like, what would you say the weirdest one was before that? And he was like, Thor Ragnarok. And that that to me yeah. is pretty low on my totem pole because yeah. I don't. Like I said, I like the groundedness of the MCU, and Ragnarok was just a little too goofy for me in in that sense but uh i'm going in looking forward to having uh, a linear path again in terms of every social reaction i've seen has talked mm-hmm. about how it feels like episode one of this kang dynasty tv show that's going to unravel within phase five or they say how you know it sets the mcu on a clear course moving forward which we were so you know foreign to throughout phase four um, so even if it is a little wacky, little zany, uh, I'm going to enjoy the stuff that I'm looking forward to, uh, that being Jonathan Majors as Kang, the mm-hmm. MCU having a linear path again, and whatever these two massive post-credit scenes are, because people are raving about them. Man, I, I kind of want to ask you that too, because I'm always curious, especially someone, uh, you know, I... Every now and then, you know, I have my friends, I have like some journalist friends that go and see these movies early. And I tell them, I'm like, I don't want to know anything. I just like, when you get done, just send me a thumbs up or thumbs down just so I can kind of set expectations when I go in. But you have a much more knowledgeable friend group than I do because they go and see the movies, you know, weeks in advance. They've got to do the the first reactions, do the grades and all this kind of stuff. So are you the guy that when these movies come out and you hear something on social media that, you know, oh my God, there are these two explosive post-credit scenes. Are you the guy that wants to like, hey, what happened in the post-credits? Or do you want to go and experience like a any other fan? You're like, no, I want to see it and be shocked just like everyone else. I, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do the spoilers, <laughs> man. I can't do it. Like when, when, uh, when the reactions were coming out, uh, I had to whip together uh, a reactions like video and all that which mm-hmm. I did so kind of like gritting my teeth a little bit. Cause I was like, I don't even want to know like <laughs> adjectives about this thing. Um, right. but for- fortunately uh, we have a fairly uh, well-guarded kind of just in- environment uh, among critics and all that. We, you know, we've been burned in the past by the whole Eternals, Harry Styles thing. And I think one of the yeah. trades might've confirmed the status of, of Toby and Andrew in no way home uh, mm-hmm. a couple of days before it came out. Uh, but those were both over a year ago and I I've been fairly safe from spoilers since. So uh, yeah, I, I do my best to avoid them. And fortunately, you know, you would think just being in the, these circles that they would come naturally and they'd be unavoidable, but for whatever reason uh, you know, if I'm not looking, they're not around, which is nice. <laughs> there you go. I've had to like mute so many words on, uh, on Instagram and Twitter and stuff. I'm just like, I, I'm so like that guy that's just like head in the sand until I get there because I don't want to know anything. I want to, I want I always go on Thursday night. Cause like, you know, I always want to avoid as many spoilers as possible. Plus I love the movie. So like, I want to go, you know, first night I can, but man, I'm just like, I'm, I'm so hoping that like, you know, nobody leaks those post-credit scenes online and I wind up seeing one or something like, I don't know. I just, I'm praying I get to experience it with everybody else, <laughs> which you have to do nowadays because spoilers are so rampant everywhere uh kind of back back to black panther how do you feel about shuri as the new black panther yay or nay uh i'm I'm like middle of the road i honestly actually 
the way that they passed the mantle in the movie, I was a big yay. Uh, mm-hmm. I've only seen the movie once, uh, so it's been a couple months, and I, mm-hmm. I plan on revisiting it at some point soon. But the way that you know she was a bit unwilling, and that when when she went to oh man, remind me of uh, this is this is a brutal on my Marvel knowledge the the <laughs> the realm they go to the, when they see someone. Oh, um. Uh... The ancestral plane. Ancestral plane. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah. <laughs> I just lost all my credibility right there. Um, no, but when she goes to the ancestral plane, she sees like Killmonger and everything. I thought that was such a very rich narrative choice to make because uh, it just kind of exemplified what she was feeling internally in that moment. Um, so Shuri was always going to be Black Panther eventually. You know, right. like she was very much set up from the get go to be a formidable, you know, uh, next in line to take on the mantle at, at some point in the distant future. Probably not until like a phase end of phase six, phase seven, uh, because before Chadwick passed, it, reports had come out that he was kind of structured as as one of the anchors of the MCU. Characters mm-hmm. like him, uh, Cumberbatch, uh, Brie Larson, stuff like that. They were all going to mm-hmm. be kind of the people that were bringing the MCU forward uh, with with Hemsworth, you know, moving on, taking on a part time role, Downey and Evans uh, retiring and all that. Mm-hmm. And so with with Shuri kind of being rushed into this role, I don't think that it was too strange because like I said, I felt like we were going to get there eventually. We just got there a lot quicker than we anticipated. Mm-hmm. And I think she'll come into it well. Uh, for now, I still really miss T'Challa, but yeah. uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not going forward with a closed mind. Like Shuri is Black Panther mm-hmm. and I'm sure it, it'll work for me even stronger than it already does right now at some point in our next appearance. Uh, two more things before we uh, move on from uh, Black Panther. I kind of want to know, because we, we just talked about Shuri, it just kind of triggered something in my mind about Riri. Uh, we've gotten people, you know, people have been kind of mixed. Not, you know, everyone kind of says they they love the character, like on screen. It was, you know, Dominique Thorne was great in the role. You know, she was funny as hell in the movie and stuff. But one of the things that people have been kind of arguing about is whether or not she was needed to move the plot along in the movie or was she kind of shoehorned in? Did this movie get you more excited for the Iron Man, not Iron Man, the Ironheart series, or is it kind of, you know, was it a plot device that was kind of lost on you and now you're like even less excited than you were at first? Well, I'm biased because we start that journey uh, in Cambridge at MIT. Yes. And so it's like, <laughs> I don't care what was on the screen at that moment. The fact that we were in the 617, I was just like, oh my God, this is great. I've been on this campus before, man. Like I've, yes. I've driven on that bridge. Um, but I, I will say like bringing her into this movie did feel a little like classic MCU of the sense of, you know, here's T'Challa in Civil War. And that's, you know, kind of your teaser trailer to what for what to expect in the Black mm-hmm. Panther movie and stuff like that. Like we've seen it before. It, it's not, you know, out of out of or out of the ordinary for Marvel to kind of shoehorn a character in in order to set up something down the line. But I do appreciate mm-hmm. that they interwove her story directly into what was going on with Talacan and stuff like that. So did we need all of it per se? Not necessarily, but I'm glad that she had an extended stay. So it didn't feel like she was just there to say like, hey, I exist. And I got a Disney Plus show coming out soon. Like the fact that she continued and all that. uh, The original armor I thought was cool. The little Power Rangers thing towards the end. uh, (laughs) The Gundam suit, yeah. That did not work for me. But I I have confidence that we'll get something better in in the show itself. 
Yeah, I think we've seen her uh, like filming the actual show, and we've seen a couple of different suits. So I'm I'm right there with you. That that last suit was boy. That was that, <laughs> that was rough for me to defend online. I was trying my hardest, but I I couldn't even lie about that one. Uh, last thing, thoughts on kind of twofold. Thoughts on them killing Angela Bassett's Queen Ramonda, because I don't think anyone saw that coming in a movie. But then thoughts on her Oscar nomination, because, you know, she from the time people left the theater, you know, they were saying, like, I could see her getting a, a nomination for this one. So kind of uh, what do you think about them killing her, you know, as a, a part of moving Shuri's journey along? And do you think the Oscar nomination was overdue? The the death really shocked me, man. I was yeah. I had no expectancy uh, that that it was coming, especially because she was so prominently featured in the trailers that you know usually when I go into a movie, I, I try to turn my brain off of like what I've seen in the trailers because sometimes if you remember a scene from from a promotional ad that hasn't happened yet, you mm-hmm. start to like piece things together together narratively. But she was so uh, prominent in all marketing material that I was convinced that there were scenes I had seen of her in trailers that hadn't happened on screen yet. So when she died, I was, I was genuinely shocked. And then Namor drops the bar of the century where he says, you know, <laughs> bury your dead, mourn your losses. You are queen now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Like how, how do you move on from that? Um, and in terms of the performance, Bassett knocked it out of the park. Uh, she has, you know, it's in the supporting car- category. So when people say like, you know, oh, she didn't have enough memorable scenes. Yeah, that's, that's what supporting means. It means that yeah. <laughs> she wasn't the lead character. Um, but her uh, with the United Nations and then her revoking Okoye uh, of her status, Man. both are, are both would probably land in, in the top 10 acted scenes in the MCU's history. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many actors can claim to having two scenes within that kind of like territory. Mm-hmm. Um, people will say, and people make the case on 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 socials about like how that there have been better be- performances before hers. Sure, there might have been. Sure, there might not have been. It's it's all subjective. Um, mm-hmm. but we should celebrate the fact that the the glass ceiling has now been broken. Uh, yeah. When Black Panther was nominated for an Oscar in 2018, do I think that there are better Marvel movies before that? Absolutely. But the fact that Black Panther was nominated and deservingly so opens the door now for anything Marvel produces to get that nomination. It, it only uh-huh. takes one to all of a sudden rewrite the kind of restrictions Oscars put on, on the movies that they nominate. And Bassett getting nominated for an acting performance makes me so happy because it means going forward, any performance I see in a Marvel movie, I'm going to say there's a real chance because Bassett got that nomination. So uh-huh. do I think she wins? I think she's got a good shot. She won the Golden Globe, if I'm not mistaken. And I, I think cleaning up. the statistic is like five of the past six Golden Globe winners for Best Supporting Actress go on to win the Oscar. Uh-huh. So if she gets that hardware, man, it, it's, a, it's a huge game changer. It would be Marvel's biggest award ever. Black Panther didn't yeah. win best picture it just got the nomination which is you know an achievement in and of itself but mm-hmm. if bassett walks away with that trophy things things are changing man i i honestly thought that because i will say that about phase four we got some nominations that i weren't expecting but i was i 100 fully supported and was like over the moon that we got because uh elizabeth olsen kicked it off with the emmys because i i thought she had a real shot at actually getting there but she was in the same category as uh uh mayor of east town who's that kate yeah. i get all the kates confused i don't know that's winslet uh i don't know one of the kates sure. but she was in that <laughs> category i i thought she was phenomenal in that, so i really thought she had a shot 
but I really think that Angela Bassett could get this. Plus, they owe her for what's love got to do with it. She didn't get that one. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm all on board. They got reparations to pay for her. <laughs> so that's a 30-year makeup call or something, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh kind of last little thing before I uh before I let you go, I promise. Uh Ant-Man and the Wasp is coming out. We kind of talked about it, Quantumania. What's your hype level right now for this movie? I know it's not your cup of tea, but like on a scale of one to ten, how how are you kind of expecting it right now? Yeah, I mean, so it, it's not my cup of tea in the sense of like if I could choose any phase five project to watch right now, we're talking Secret Invasion, Captain America, mm-hmm. New World Order, like the the grounded suspense thrill level, th- thrill thriller level projects and stuff like that. Uh, but Quantum Mania was was always pretty high on my list, specifically because Kang is in it. Uh, the same yes. way that I was stoked for 2014 Guardians because I knew Thanos was in it, and I was like, "We got to learn more about this guy." Mm-hmm. Uh, and Thanos had two scenes in that movie. Kang seems to be a third lead of Quantum Mania, mm-hmm. which is very very exciting. Um, my hype levels. I- I'm not gonna lie, the social reactions did kind of like throw me off a, a little bit because. Mm-hmm. Like there, there are some that are honest, and then there are some that like they just kind of play the Marvel game. And in terms of yeah. like the best best movie of Phase Five, it's like yeah, because there's nothing else has come out yet. <laughs> yeah. um, or, just, or just like little things where I'm like, I feel like you're just exaggerating a little bit. Um, so I again, that's why I try to not listen to social reactions. But sometimes you exactly. know, the job the job gets in the way. Which again, no complaints. Uh, I'm living mm-hmm. the dream, but uh hype level if, I, if i'm gonna put a number on it i'd probably say a solid seven out of ten uh okay. you know I, i'm i'm hyped for like everything that that i mentioned before kang the the direction the post-credit scenes and uh and the post-credit scenes and i will say uh something I, I used to say all the time uh on my past podcast when i was with mc direct um vince mcmahon always says you know mm-hmm. you can have a terrible pay-per-view with terrible matches but as long as the finish that main event match hits well with the audience they're going to go home happy and talking positively about about what they just watched so if quantum mania from a quality standpoint just doesn't hit for me and is a complete mess all around if we get two banger post-credit scenes i'll be a happy camper yeah we've kind of gone we've kind of gone against like good post-credit scenes like they haven't they've given us like stuff that's you know very self-contained i'll say like you know we got uh Doctor Strange and Clea at the end of that movie. So like that was, you know, like I, I'm great. You know, I'd love me some Charlize Theron. So like cool, but like you know, didn't really connect to anything bigger. You know, we can say incursions or whatever, but you know, we haven't gotten a lot of uh world building. But it sounds like we're about to start getting that again. So yeah, I mean, because mm-hmm. they've they've all been the same, right? Like when Clea shows up, Doctor Strange, you're coming with me. Hercules mm-hmm. shows up. I'm going to go fight Thor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harry Styles, his arrow shows up and is like, hey, what's going Like, I don't even remember what he did. He just kind of was like, right. hey, I'm Harry. Like, you know, what's I'm going Harry on? I'm Harry Styles. Exactly. And, <laughs> and then the second one for that, too, was even Kit Harrington uh, gets the ebony blade and then blade mm-hmm. off screen is like, you know, are you sure you're ready to do that? Like, we've all had this kind of ta- like same formula of like character introduction and they'll do something in the future. What I miss was like that Shang-Chi post-credit scene. Of, I was like, just gonna bring these it up. rings, <laughs> these rings are sending out a beacon and what what's going on? What does that mean? Welcome to the circus, mm-hmm. kid. That got me jazzed because that felt like old school Marvel. It's crazy to think that this universe is so old at this point that we have like different ages of of Marvel, but it's true. Yeah. And so if we get a post-credit scene that is something akin to Shang-Chi of like 
okay, this is teasing something that's going to happen come Kang Dynasty, which, you know, his name's in the title. It makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're going to be in a good place. Agreed. I, I kind of want to ask you, because I know you uh, you don't like the kind of the zany, you like a little more grounded. Where, where does a hero like Blade come into effect for you? Because, you know, like Blade is a really grounded character, but like, he fights, you know, uh, vampires and like that kind of stuff. So like, where does that kind of range for you in terms of, you know, hype level? I'm, I mean, Mahershala Ali, man, that, that's the kind of where it starts and ends. Two-time mm-hmm. Academy Award winner coming into the MCU. It's a big deal uh, that they got him for that role. And I will say uh, my my hype for it is higher because of what they're seemingly planting with the Midnight Suns. Like, I don't yeah. know if it'll be a roster that is directly reflective of the roster in the comics, but if they just kind of assemble the various spooky dudes that they got, you know, mm-hmm. Moon Knight, Werewolf by Night, uh, Elsa, I would, I would even can... love to see uh like throw in Punisher in there. Like I know that he's not yeah. like a core member in the comics, but like you know, if we're gonna go like gruesome and maybe maybe make a R-rated Marvel movie, like really push against <laughs> the grain, uh, I think that'd be really cool. So yeah, Blade is one of those characters where uh he's got a, a high bar to live up to with Wesley Snipes, but if anyone can do it, it's Mahershal Ali. Absolutely. Uh, last thing, and then I'm going to let you get out of here. I kind of want to know, because we've talked a little about uh, James Gunn. And so obviously he's, you know, he's left us at the MCU and he's gone over and now created his own DCU. Just kind of high level. He made all of his announcements recently. How do you feel about everything that he's announced? And does it get you, a, well, I don't know how, you know, your thoughts about the old, the DCEU, but how does it kind of, get you going about the dcu like are you excited about it now or you still got to be kind of proven you know you're still waiting to see what he comes out with i i will say and i i unfortunately i can't control how i feel like it's just my gut reaction <laughs> to things we have been burned by the dc universe <laughs> or or i should say uh they've cried wolf so many times yeah the amount of movies i've seen announced over the years the amount of slates i've seen over the years the amount of castings, like Henry Cavill was just brought back. And yeah. three weeks later, he's done. So even when this announcement comes, and I would be shocked if they actually end up canceling this one as well, because they're investing a lot of time and money into this thing. Uh-huh. I still can't fully be like, it's happening. Honestly, until trailers come out, because we saw what happened with Batgirl. I can't yeah. even say when cameras start rolling, because we don't know the the status of, of this stuff long term it was a james finished gunn, movie <laughs> yeah james gunn is a phenomenal mind uh mm-hmm. if there's anyone that uh has the leadership capability to start a cinematic universe it's him uh he's you know he's that prospect who was in the best system and now he's going to a new team and trying to build something from scratch and he's got all the experience in the world the only area i have concern over is James Gunn infusing kind of his like his signature touch on the greater universe in the sense of like Peacemaker didn't really land with me all that much because Mm. I didn't care for the James Gunn humor and I also like didn't like the idea of putting such a heavy spotlight on such this z-list character before we really maximize our a-listers like like the idea of doing a Moon Knight series in like phase one of the MCU, I'd be like, what are we doing? You know, we right, have like, right. all these other like tailor-made characters made for, for the marquee and all that. And of course people make the argument of like Iron Man, Captain America, these weren't household names before the MCU. And 
it, it's hard for me to go back to that because I was so young and I, I don't remember what life was like before those guys were mm-hmm. leading films and all that. So when I see a slate and I see stuff like Swamp Thing and Creature Commandos, I just worry about like, if we're going to be investing time and money into these things, mm-hmm. like why are, why are we like dividing our resources among stuff that seems just like, just for fun like how much is creature commandos really going to build to a justice league movie and there there are so many variables they're trying to control too uh i've seen quotes and he's said directly that it's all connected you know animated tv shows movies video games and that sounds great on paper but when you have to execute that are you telling me i'm gonna have to play a, a campaign mode video game invest 12 hours of my life into something in order to understand the justice league movie and it just there's there's a lot that they're trying to do. It's a very ambitious endeavor, uh, and I have nothing but respect for them. But at this point in time, if this was something I was going to like put stock into, I would not invest any money yet because it seems so volatile. It, it just seems like this could be a booming success, or it could all crumble, or it could just kind of keep the same level pace and just stay like plateaued completely. So. Yeah, that's that, those are my long-winded thoughts on the DC universe. <laughs> uh, I'm ready to be hurt again, but I really hope I, I'm loved this time. I'm I'm right there with you, man. I do you think we go for the route of Superman? Are we going known actor or find somebody completely unknown, give a newbie a chance? I, I say we go unknown. You know, I Same. especially when it comes to like you're gonna want the Superman actor to probably sign. A, a six pitcher deal like mm-hmm. you, you don't want to ever run the risk of of casting like you know I, I people throw around like uh jacob alordi a lot i see that every every now and then the euphoria mm-hmm. actor mm-hmm. like he's still he's still fairly young and i call him like a b to c list level actor uh but his star power is rising so quickly that i'm like is he really gonna be superman for a trilogy of solo movies and a trilogy of justice league movies and maybe cameos here and there I don't really know. So I think that there's more long-term value uh, in going with an unknown. I agree with you. Liam, this is a great conversation. Thank you for coming in the the slums to talk to me. I know you're over there at comicbook.com. You still came to talk to me anyway. I appreciate it, man. Tell them where they can find you, where they can follow you, where they can read some of your stuff, see your interviews, tell them everything. Well, first off, Kendrick, this this is no slums. This we're we're in the highest <laughs> states right now. Thank you for a great conversation. Uh, Absolutely, I love, I love talking about the stuff I'm passionate about, and I love talking about that stuff with passionate people. And uh, you you bring that energy, so thank you again for extending the invite. Uh, I do Absolutely. really appreciate it. Um, my stuff uh, all on socials at Liam T Crowley, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, that's where I kind of just cross pollinate, promote everything uh, in, in terms of my interviews, articles. Uh, video content, all that kind of stuff. Uh, in terms of what I have coming up, uh, I have some interviews with Jade Cargill from AEW dropping. Uh, they'll be on the site by the time this podcast is live. And uh, besides that, yeah, go check out my Dave Batista stuff. Uh, Logan Lerman was awesome to talk to. Everything's all under the comic book banner. Um, and besides that, if you're a fan of Percy Jackson, I, I've been I've been covering that show. <laughs> like like it's my like it's my baby i feel like i know every production crew member's first <laughs> middle last name um so if you're a percy jackson fan we're we're in for a, a very fun ride uh in what i think is going to be uh the harry potter of the 2020s in terms of popularity and in terms of cultural impact so uh yeah that's my my plug for the branch outside of, of comics actual paperback books back in the day (laughs) there you go well i hope you don't be a stranger i'd love to have you back whenever you'll come this was amazing 
You guys, that's Liam. I'm Kendrick, and we'll see you. Oh, wow. You sat through that entire episode? Well, aren't you special? You deserve a treat. Why don't you head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave me a five-star rating and review for free. Need to contact me? Email me at realitycomics2 at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram for hilarious memes and up-to-date information about the podcast at realitycomics2. That's T-O-O. Reality and Comics 2 is a Cloud 10 and iHeartMedia podcast. This is Kendrick, and I'll see you. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.